there. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Left After Breakfast, broadcast from 3CR, your only radio left. Susanna here with you, and I'll be joined by other members of my Left After Breakfast team as the program continues. Your favourites for a start. So, welcome to regular listeners and indeed to anyone who has just tuned in. Good on you. 3CR On November the 23rd, Friendly Geordies, the YouTuber, and if you're not looking at his YouTube stuff, listener, you're really missing out. Friendly Geordies, whose actual name is Jordan Shanks Markavina, had his house firebombed on Tuesday night. And Shanks's lawyers have asked the bombing to be considered a terrorist attack. Shanks is a media personality with over 620,000 followers on YouTube. He combines comedy and journalism aimed at young people. In the past year, Friendly Geordies as the YouTube entity and Shanks Markovina himself have racked up a number of high-profile enemies. And he's engaged at the moment with legal action with former Deputy Premier of New South Wales, John Barillaro, and more recently, Clubs New South Wales. I do not for one minute suggest that Barillaro or Clubs New South Wales is involved in this firebomb attack, and I mean that sincerely. But someone did. Fortunately, Jordan wasn't at home at the time of the bombing, but it was definitely a deliberate attempt Jordan's residence is at the rear of a house which has been subdivided. An elderly couple who live on the street side of the building close to where the firebomb detonated are safe. Just shocked and, you know, scared. But when you look at the list of enemies that Shanks has amassed, the attack must surely be a retaliation for his journalism, which has been some of the best in Australia over the last 12 months. He's taken on some of the most powerful individuals and corporations in the state of New South Wales. And in return, not only does he have one of those organisations trying to put him in jail on a private contempt order, but now it appears someone is trying to kill him. That was Clubs New South Wales who instituted a contempt proceeding against Shanks Markovina alongside whistleblower Troy Stoltz last September. Shanks' producer, Christo Lanker, was arrested in June 2021 in his own home by the Fixated Persons Unit. I love that name. The Fixated Persons Unit. And that's a secretive squad within the New South Wales Police. And it's all about stalking. So Christo Lanker was arrested on trumped-up charges of stalking brought forward by John Barillaro. The charges were dropped two months later with the police ordered to pay a cost of $12,000 to Lenka. I'm just going to play you a little bit of Friendly Geordies. I've taken a grab from one of the YouTube broadcasts, and you should do yourself a favour and navigate over to YouTube and have a look for Friendly Geordies. Friendly Geordies, J-O-R-D-I-E-S. Friendly Geordies. They're quite good. I like him. 
So it's come to a celebrity gossip video, has it? Today's video is just a shameless grab for views, but before you click off, no, I'm not going to be talking about foreign A-listers like Andrew Tate, Tayson Day, Gorgura, and Kanye West. I'm going to be talking about someone even more famous, Matthew Guy. Do you even know who he is? I... No, you don't know because I barely do it. It's my full-time job to know who that man is. He's apparently the leader of the Victorian Liberal Party. Are you as shocked as I was to hear that? I thought it was led by Peter Credlin, with Harvey Yemeny as the Nationals leader. Yeah, bros, I'm gonna be Deputy Premier, stooge. But no, it's led by a far less colourful man, but hey, at least he's got some colourful friends. Because you know what Matthew Guy, apart from being Victorian opposition leader, is most famous for? Formally being the Victorian opposition leader and losing the 2018 election. Oh, and in 2017 being busted dining on lobster with alleged mafia boss Tony Modaffery. Dining with that guy. Tony Modaffery must have been so embarrassed when he was caught. Forget about lobster with a mobster. What about shellfish with a selfish leader? But it's not just about dining with fat Tony. Matthew Guy also attended a Liberal Party fundraiser with the boss, which, come on. How could you even claim to be a half-decent economic manager if you're asking for money from the mob? If Matthew Guy the Liberals win the next election, don't start complaining when who I'm assuming are the kind people at the State Revenue Office are all replaced with a bunch of wise guys with baseball bats knocking on your door at 1am. I'm, uh, here for the money, Matthew Moses. Coupled in with the fact that the Liberals' opposition are probably one of the weakest in modern Australian history. This fish is leading the Liberals and he replaced a guy that apparently was even worse. And you know what? I think it was the right move. I didn't really know much about Matthew Guy, but the whole lobster with a mobster ordeal at least gives you something to remember him for. But when writing this video, I kept forgetting the name of the Liberal leader that Matthew Guy replaced, even after reading it five seconds earlier. That's not a joke. Go on, comment if you know his name. Honest answers only. No cheating! For some reason, I kept thinking the leader used to be this wax statue. Sorry, Liberal MP Tim Smith. But then I remembered, oh yeah, he was never leader and he was retiring this election because he crashed his car drunk. I'm uh, sure it was just the alcohol. And there you go. A little bit of a grab from a YouTube broadcast by Jordan Shanks Markovina, otherwise known as Friendly Geordies whose house was firebombed on Tuesday night. It's being considered a terrorist attack. Well, that's what you get when you're a media personality, isn't it? One who takes aim at politicians. Trying to tell me Capital has won at last Anyone who's not convinced Has just been shown the door You're trying to tell me Competition turns the wheels Smart money never deals in welfare anymore Survival of the fittest keeps the species strong Change is always painful but it doesn't last too long Excuse me friend 
think you could be wrong When some of us are free to rise and some are free to fall All of us are under the dictatorship of capital Trying to tell me Profit is the bottom line Cancer is sometimes benign It eats the cells that leave themselves defenseless You're trying to tell me Market forces must prevail Some succeed while others fail Failure has to face the consequences Weeding out the weak is Mother Nature's song Existence is a game like chess Monopoly or Mahjong Excuse me, friend I think you could be wrong And it did not take me by surprise When the revolution from above began to cave in Like a new town built by an architect A concrete wasteland no one wants to live in When some of us are free to rise And some are free to fall All of us are under the dictatorship of capital Trying to tell me I'm living in democracy Everyone is always free To either live with ugliness or beauty You're trying to tell me Undermining revolutions When they threaten institutions Is a major power's democratic duty With Batista, Marcos, Pinochet, you got along But not with the Sandinistas And not with the Viet Cong Excuse me, friend I think you got it wrong Cause when some of us are free to rise And some are free to fall All of us are under the dictatorship of capital All of us are under the dictatorship of capital All of us are under the dictatorship of capital
Now, good morning. You're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. I won't talk about elections, because it's tomorrow. But I will just say, the Liberal Party in Victoria is caught in a trap. You know, it sells itself as the moderate old party of its forebears. Unfortunately, too many of the moderates who ran it, or voted for it, are disenchanted. They're disenchanted by shambolic efforts in the state and by the damaged federal reflection. Because around the state, branches are under siege by extremist religious groups, mostly Pentecostal, but also Mormon. And the state's governing body is also gradually filling with these members. Last week, Eastern Victoria candidate... Renee Heath was pushed out of the Liberal fold by the opposition leader Guy. But there are others in this election with similar views. And Matthew Guy can't separate them from the party. Too many seats would be lost if he did that. Earlier this month, the document was covered in The Age that purported to have been designed by the Liberal candidate for the 29 election, Peter Killen. It sets out a roadmap for the religious right to infiltrate the Liberal Party at all levels. Killen was forced to resign over ghastly homophobic commentary, but he now sits on the State Assembly, assisting in the running of the party. In 2020, Marcus Bastian resigned from the Victorian Liberal Party after having created a powerful network of religious social conservatives in branches across the states. Investigations into the branches suggest that Pentecostalists have co-opted Gippsland, South Gippsland and Morwell branches. There's concern about the Dunkley branch on the Mornington Peninsula also being colonised. In January of this year, moderate Liberals asked the party to dump a pre-selected candidate for Ringwood because her recruitment of Mormon members and religious right views make her unelectable. Bernie Finn was removed from the party when his praise for American total abortion bans proved the final straw for Matthew Guy and his team. The Western Metropolitan Branch has, however, been co-opted by a religious majority. And the replacement pre-selected is Moira Deeming. Aside from being Finn's acolyte and for a long time his sidekick at the March for Babies' extreme anti-choice body, Deeming has a long record of reactionary positions on LGBTQI rights. One of the latest scandals has been the comments recorded from Timothy Dragon, aged only 26, compromising his candidacy for the Nariwara North seat. He ranted about how colonising Australians won this land fair and square, arguing that respect for Indigenous Australians is unwarranted and the nuclear waste should be dumped on Alice Springs. Nuclear waste should be dumped on Alice Springs. Matthew Guy chided Dragon for disrespectful and silly comments. Disrespectful and silly. What's silly about that? That's not silly, it's plain damned hateful. The state Liberals struggled during the pandemic's worst times to get traction. Working together with the News Corps Herald Sun, the constant attacks on the Premier and the state added to the pain Victorians experienced, helping drive the so-called freedom rallies into violent attacks on the police. Victorian opposition politicians appeared at those rallies near a full-size gallows, 
and uttered violent threats on the government. Two weeks ago, Victorian Liberals released an ad which put themselves right into the middle of those anti-science, anti-health policy riots, demanding that we remember when we hit the streets to fight against Dan Andrews and vaccine mandates. The Liberal Party has agreed to give preferences to a number of figures who have made ugly threats. And the list of these people, these ugly people who made ugly threats, include Rebecca Spellman, who called for the Premier to be hanged, as well as co-orchestrating the rally featuring the gallows. Another one is ugly independent upper house member Catherine Cumming, now standing for the Angry Victorians Party who called for the Premier to be turned into a red mist. Now, that's a term, listener, that alludes to military jargon, describing the impact of sniper hits. She was standing next to violent anti-lockdown protest organiser Harrison McLean, who has written more than once that Hitler had some good points. And that was when she made the speech at what she called the Worldwide Rally for Freedom. Can't we do something about these people? Beyond me sometimes, I know what I do. I don't believe in them. I don't believe in their religious right nonsense because it's not nonsense. It's very, very dangerous. We've got to stop this stuff. We've just got to stop it. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. Of course I'm not. Why would I do that? I just assume you'll be logical and sensible. But just remember what some of these people from the... Liberal Party, they call themselves Liberal, look, that's beyond me too. But just remember them. And when you go to vote, do the right thing. And remember that we have power. We're fortunate to be able to vote in this country. But we do have some power.
Australia is 1.47 degrees Celsius hotter now than it was in 1910 and extreme weather will only get worse. And really, that's all the news that we need to know. Last week in Egypt, the nations of the world voted to terminate human civilization and to commit all of our grandchildren, I don't mean great-grandchildren, to commit all of our grandchildren to bake and starve on an uninhabitable ruin of a planet. I'm talking, of course, about the failure of the United Nations Conference of the Parties 27, like the 26 conferences which preceded it. Just another fallen domino on the road to the collapse of civilization. The nations had gathered to try to develop a rational plan of action to prevent a hothouse earth. And once again, for the 27th time, failed to do so. Well... The second largest contingent at the conference, over 600 delegates, was from the fossil fuels nations. The largest contingent of that was United Arab Emirates, an oil lobby with 1,073 delegates. Two-thirds of the delegates were also men. And let's be real here, when it comes to a preference for catastrophe and war... Instead of peace, stability and reason, men aren't the sharpest tools in the human shed. Just think about what I'm saying, listener. You know I'm not being anti-male. But are men fit for coping with global mega-threats? All they really know is how to fight one another, one-up one another, shirt-front one another. It's their competitive, aggressive natures that's part of the masculine way. Their childlike flags, their narcissistic anthems, nationalistic bombast, they really distract from the task of uniting us all together, men and women across the globe, against the common perils. It's obvious that nations now can opt for self-destruction over stability and well-being. With the rise of 2 degrees Celsius, world agriculture begins to collapse. It can't withstand the multiplying hammer blows of climate, the heat, the drought, the storms, the fires and the floods. At 3 degrees, the world food supply is halved, but the population has swollen to nearly 11 billion. We know what's happened from previous great famines in Russia, China, India, Eastern Europe and Africa. Nations manufacture excuses to invade their neighbours and seize the food lands. In these wars, more perish from hunger than military violence. And families like us, dear listener, we sit around wondering who we will have for dinner. Let there be no doubt, our leaders have chosen catastrophe as our default future. It's time to get angry. Dear future generations... I think I speak for the rest of us when I say, sorry. Sorry we left you with our mess of a planet. Sorry that we were too caught up in our own doings to do something. Sorry we listened to people who made excuses to do nothing. I hope you forgive us. We just didn't realize how special the earth was. Like a marriage gone wrong, we didn't know what we had until it was gone. 
For example, I'm guessing you probably know it as the Amazon Desert, right? Well, believe it or not, it was once called the Amazon Rainforest, and there were billions of trees there, all of them gorgeous, and... Oh, you don't know much about trees, do you? Well, let me tell you, trees are amazing. I mean, we literally breathe the air they are creating. They clean up our pollution, our carbon. They store and purify water, give us medicine that cures our diseases, food that feeds us, which is why I'm so sorry to tell you that we burn them down, cut them down with brutal machines, horrific, at a rate of 40 football fields every minute. That's 50% of all the trees in the world gone in the last hundred years. Why? For this. And that wouldn't make me so sad if it weren't so many pictures of leaves on it. You know, when I was a child, I read how the Native Americans had such consideration for the planet that they felt responsible for how they left the land for the next seven generations. Which brings me great sorrow because most of us today don't even care about tomorrow. So I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry that we put profit above people, greed above need, the rule of gold above the golden rule. I'm sorry we use nature as a credit card with no spending limit, overdrafting animals to extinction, stealing your chance to ever see their uniqueness or become friends with them. Sorry we poison the ocean so much that you can't even swim in them. But most of all, I'm sorry about our mindset because we had the nerve to call this destruction progress. Hey, Fox News, if you don't think climate change is a threat, I dare you to interview the thousands of homeless people in Bangladesh. See, while, while you were in your penthouse nestled, their homes were literally washed away beneath their feet due to rising sea levels. And Sarah Palin, you said that you love the smell of fossil fuels. Well, I urge you to talk to the kids of Beijing who are forced to wear pollution masks just to go to school. See, you can ignore this, but the thing about truth is, it can be denied, not avoided. So I'm sorry, future generations. I'm sorry that our footprint became a sinkhole and not a garden. I'm sorry that we paid so much attention to ISIS and very little to how fast the ice is melting in the Arctic. I'm sorry we doomed you, and I'm sorry we couldn't find another planet in time to move to. I am... You know what? Cut the beat. I'm not sorry. This future, I do not accept it. Because an error does not become a mistake until you refuse to correct it. We can redirect this. How? Let me suggest that if a farmer sees a tree that is unhealthy, they don't look at the branches to diagnose it, they look at the root. So like that farmer, we must look at the root and not to the branches of government, not to the politicians run by corporations. We are the root. We are the foundation. This generation, it is up to us to take care of this planet. It is our only home. We must globally warm our hearts and change the climate of our souls and realize that we are not apart from nature. We are a part of nature. And to betray nature is to betray us. To save nature is to save us. Because whatever you're fighting for, racism or poverty, Feminism, gay rights, or any type of equality, it won't matter in the least. Because if we don't all work together to save the environment, we will be equally extinct. Sorry.
Hey guys, for the past several weeks, I've been here in Africa, the heart of Africa, witnessing the horrific destruction of the rainforest, which inspired me to write this piece. Why are forests being destroyed at such an enormous rate? For this. Today we live in a world where destroying trees makes you money. So what can we, normal people, do about it? One way to directly fight the destruction is to stand for trees. By standing for trees, not only can you save the lives of trees, help forest communities, and protect the rights of animals to live in their homes, but you will also balance the amount of pollution that you yourself give off with your everyday activities, making you a part of the solution and not the problem. This is the option that I chose. But whatever way that you choose to stand for trees, do it. Because a wise man once said, when the rivers are all dried up and the trees cut down, man will then realize that he will not be able to eat money. So the Conference of Parties 27 was an unmitigated disaster, just showing that international cooperation is incapable of stopping climate change. Oh yes, there was some financial help for developing nations which are suffering from climate change, but we should be aware that in 2009 that developed countries agreed to contribute $100 billion a year in reparation finance to poorer countries by 2020. Needless to say, that target has not been met. During the 30 years of the Climate Conference of Parties, COP, let's call it COP, world emissions have risen progressively with promises and betrayals. We have to ask here what our government can do to stabilise our fast deteriorating life support system, our natural environment and biodiversity. A recent article in the journal Science says that exceeding 1.5 degrees Celsius global warming would trigger multiple climate tipping points. We have reached 1.47 the head of BP, Bernard Looney, says there must be new investment in new oil and gas projects as far ahead as 2050 because trying to cut down on production of oil and gas is difficult or perhaps impossible and in any case it would reduce profit. Is he mad? Are we all mad? We just know that these dreadful things will happen to the planet. And this fellow reckons, the head of BP, that we need more, more gas and more oil. And I ask again, is he mad? Or are we all mad to put up with it? Get longer. How do we get 
Here's a scam for you. A big one. Our coal exporters are faking data to make their coal look cleaner, 
so they can get more money for it. And that's a scam which involves two laboratories, accountancy firms and an investment bank. According to Independent MP Andrew Wilkie, who was given thousands of pages of documents by a whistleblower and is calling for a parliamentary inquiry, and so he should, Wilkie called it a fraud, possibly criminal, and environmental vandalism, making our net zero goal a fiction. Well, obviously, obviously it is. But how are exporters doing this, or should I say allegedly doing this? Coal testing laboratories test Australian coal before it goes offshore. But some laboratories have been messing with the data so that the coal looks drier than it is. Dry coal burns more cleanly, and you need less, so you can sell it for more. And we do. We do sell it for more to Japan to South Korea, to China and India. In 2020, the laboratory giant ALS admitted that half its coal data had been manually amended without justification. I like that. Manually amended without justification. And this was for almost 13 years. 's time to track down the bagman the oh so elusive bagman good morning Susan and good morning listeners now it's uh, time to talk about some politics for the last program of the year before we go for a long a well-earned break until uh, February they're out there Susan you've got to be careful. I've got to ask you, are the streets of Melbourne safe to walk these days? And I'll give you a couple of examples. Victorian Liberal candidate, a woman called Renee Heath, who is a lifelong senior member of the ultra-conservative church, is called City Builders. Don't know how they come up with those names, but that's up to them. And she has been secretly directed by the global leader of this organisation to infiltrate coalition politics. And she's opposed to gay, trans and reproductive rights. You wonder where they get them from, Susan. And be careful, because they're not out there just running for parliament. They're out there handing out how-to-vote cards at your local polling booth. It's come about very badly for some people who have been assaulted outside of polling booths. But anyway, let's go on to another character. Victorian Liberal candidate, a bloke called Tom Dragon. He says land rights are bollocks. Absolute bollocks! Because European settlers won Australia fair and square. Now he's also opposed to abortion uh, and says that abortion is murder. You have to really be careful out there, Susan, because they're not only running for politics, they're out there in our community. Before we go on to fully talk about politics, a poll conducted by the Harvey Norman Catalogue recently has the opposition closing the lead on Daniel Andrews. Well... I reckon the Harvey Norman catalogue and the Gatto Gazette 
the Herald Sun, are not listening to the real punters. Sportsbet has Dan on $1.16 to win. I reckon I'm going to follow the money on this occasion. And while we're talking about politics, politicians are interested in people, according to P.J. O'Rourke. Not that this is always a virtue, because fleas are interested in dogs. <sighs> and what a week for our Prime Minister, or a couple of weeks for our Prime Minister. He met with US President Joe Biden, he met with the Chinese President, he met with the French President, and he met with the EU President. If it wasn't busy enough, he also met with Indian Prime Minister, and he sat next to the Prime Minister of England. I'm not too sure who it is these days, but I'm sure that someone will come up with a name for him. And he also managed to secure the release of Sean Turnell after 600 days in detention in Myanmar. All done without causing any embarrassing cringe moments, not like our previous Prime Minister when Australia was on fire. He went to Hawaii with his family. Now, Susan, people taking their own lives is a tragedy at any time. And the candidate for Narakan uh, has this week taken his own life, if we believe what we read in the newspapers, because he was facing sexual assault charges. Now, I don't want to... Uh, if he uh, decided to take his own life, that's his own business. But what concerns me is that people like Heath... Dragon and this guy, Liberal leader Matthew Guy and National leader Peter Walsh said, now this is a crunch here, they were unaware of the sexual assault and rape charges against Sean Gilchrist when he was endorsed as a Nationals candidate. Oh, now that's got to make you worry. And it's only tomorrow that we can go and vote in the Victorian election, so we're not going to endorse any particular party. But in order to vote the right way for the major parties, we need to listen to the outrageous promises from all of them. We will hang on to every promise. We're going to judge them on their presentation, their look, or even if you're a Sheila, their clothes... But in the end, we know that they're bullshitting to us. We know that they're lying because every time a politician's lips move, we immediately know that, we're that they are lying and we shout, you lying bastards, but that doesn't stop us from voting for them. So we hang on to every word and vote accordingly. Now, once the election is over, the team that wins will tell you that the other mob left you in the shit. The country is broke and we really can't deliver on any of the previous outrageous promises that decided your vote. We will have to sell, we may have to sell grandma's ashes for fertiliser or the grandkids to medical science to help them in the battle against what Joe Hockey used to call the leaners, 
Lying bastard, you scream. Never trusted the bastards in the first place, but wait until you weigh up who you think you will put an extra dollar in your wallet and vote. Now, don't think about the environment, the unemployed, the sick and the less well-off in our community. Think about yourself and what the politics can do for you. Because we can all come back in six years' time. And if you haven't learnt that supporting your party in these outrageous promises is like bringing your head on a brick wall. It's an effing good feeling when you stop. So to all of you out there who do care about all the things government don't do, I apologise. Simply, Susan, you know that I'm cynical, bitter and twisted only because I've been lied to so often. Now, the robo-debt Royal Commission is into uh, its third week, and I want to remind you of a quote by Alan Tudge, who was a minister at the time. He also then went on to do a bit of doona dancing with his press secretary and even kicked her in the back one day and kicked her out of bed. Anyway, she was paid $100,000 for her, well, unlawful treatment. But Alan Tudge said, and I remind you of this, the Royal Commission into robo-debt and people who've been informed that they owed money to the, to the government took their own lives. A tragedy. And he said... We'll find you, we'll track you down, and you will have to repay these debts. And you may even end up in prison. Now there's a guy to be taken at his word. If you ever come to the point where you have to listen to a politician, remember those words about how they treat people who support them and the people who are taxpayers in this country and uh, I reckon he ought to be going home in the back of a divvy van. A memo to the media and we hear about it every day. Please don't say inflation is at a 40-year high without mentioning that corporate profits are at a 70 year high. Now I take into account the other day I heard that Qantas, although are charging outrageous fees to fly in their aircraft, made a profit of $1.2 billion. They continue to rip off the public. The CEO of Qantas continues to make millions of dollars each year in his pay packet, and still they act in this way. Now, before I finish, Susan, and before we finish for the year, I have to say no person, no person can possibly support the war in Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia, much less promote and extend the death and destruction that goes hand in hand with certain people who have been saying recently that we should hit Russia 
where it hurt on Russian soil. They go on to say, without harming individuals. As a former journalist involved in the Balkans war, I can assure people that war does not work that way. It's a filthy, demeaning practice that kills indiscriminately. There are no favourites in war, civilians or soldiers. War only comes about when diplomacy fails. So Susan, on that basis, uh, we'll sign off until uh, February of next year and I want to uh, go out in the same old way, dare to struggle, dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. And I have a real little surprise here today. Well, a big surprise, really. It's a blast from the past, and I mean from the past. A listener named Arthur was tuned in to 3CR a few years back, quite a few years back, and he heard a song that he really liked. It was called Working Boots. He liked that song so much that he came into the station to inquire where he could get a copy. Well, he couldn't get a copy. It was a one-off recording. I know, because it was recorded in my lounge room. So at the station, we ran him off a copy onto an audio cassette tape, and Arthur played it so often that finally it fell to pieces. Audio cassette tapes aren't really, really humongously durable, but I'm talking perhaps 1985, and you play that over and over (laughs) for such a long time. Well, it's a wonder it lasted at all. So Arthur couldn't get a copy. And of course, almost 40 years have passed since then and there was no one at 3CR amongst the staff or the station workers who could even recall that song until one of them asked me and gave me Arthur's phone number and I got on to him and we had a chat about that song just to make sure it was the one he wanted. And yes, it was Working Boots by Neil Blake. And it probably was 1985. And just by sheer chance, Neil did have a rusty old recording of it himself. And I'm going to play that today. And I'm going to warn you, listener, this is very old and very hissy and a lot of static in it. Well, as you can imagine... But here it is, a vintage classic, My Working Boots, by Neil Blake. My working boots never get any thanks, 
the five is thy doomer. Yet thy art and no other task than to pamper my two feet. I've kicked them round several years through mud and slush and dung. And though my toes may be on the nose, they've always held their tongues. Bed their salt, bush fires cough, brave three corner jacks. Took the force as a matter of course, off a blow from a runaway axe. Kept me unscathed through me working days, just a big kicked off and left out in the yard. I'm glad I wasn't born to work at work, mate. I sure get it hard. I'm building sites, they have been in pipes with concrete bricks and paint. By roof and nail, they have been assailed and always without complaint. If I was then, if I was me, there'd be bloody hell to pay. If I didn't get a polish at least once a month and a clean pair of socks each day. But my work and boots never get any thanks for favors they do me. Still they are, no other task than to pamper Me unscathed all me working days, just having kicked off and left out in the yard. I'm glad I wasn't born to be working for my life. I sure get it hard. I'm glad I wasn't born to work and for my Yes, I get it hard. Okay, everyone, that's it for this episode of Left After Breakfast. Thanks for your company. Thanks for the ride. See you same time, same place next week.